friends, Chris Sauter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. to have this morning, um, Jen Lee. Uh, we met Jen, um, I guess Jen could choose too, um, at Many Rivers Montessori, uh, her son, Paul, and uh, Kira were classmates. Um, and the Leans have been a, um, a big fan and supporter of our church and have been cheering us from, uh, from the, the land of Duluth. So um, Jen, why don't you feel free to unmute yourself and the, the show is yours. We're so glad to have you. Everyone get a round of applause. It's good to be here. Yeah, Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Jen? Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are. Some like I always like to think of like, what is the stuff that I really need to know about Jen? Um, all right. Um, well, I moved here to Duluth in 2013, um, and I am by profession an opera singer, although I haven't been doing a lot of that in the last year. Um, I teach voice at the College of St. Scholastica, and then previous to this, I had a former career as a newspaper journalist. Um, going further back, I was born in Hong Kong, I was raised in Singapore and then I came here for college and then I um, have lived in the United States in, oh my gosh, in New Hampshire, in California, in New York, in Wisconsin, and then now in Minnesota. Um, and then my cultural background extends even farther. My paternal grandfather um, migrated to Singapore from China um, as a penniless um, immigrant and then became a very successful businessman. Um, classic migration story. Uh, my maternal grandfather is actually, was actually a US born Chinese who went back to China to fight the Japanese in World War II and then stayed on to fight the communists during the revolution. And then finally brought his family back to the US in the 1960s. And then I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I have a spouse um, and two children, Paul, my second grader, um, and then Olivia, my fifth grader. And um, we have many friends in your church and the children have many friends in your church. So we're grateful to be in community with you, um, even though we're not a member of your congregation. Yeah, we're, we're big fans. I. I still remember when I got your Christmas card, I didn't know that you were an opera singer. And so like, you know, the Christmas card, because I read every Christmas card, I promise. But I turned around, I was reading it and I'm and because you you sang in, um, where, where did you perform last year? So my last performance was with the Singapore Symphony Orchestra. 
that is amazing. And I actually did. I'm like, Nick, you did your now. And she's like, yeah, I knew. I'm like, this is amazing. I know someone who was an opera singer. So I, <laughs> I just absolutely honored, right? You're like really famous to me. So, <laughs> all right, Jen. So um, uh, we would love to hear your, your thoughts and reflection. Um, and I guess where I'd like to start is like, like when it comes to the AAPI community, what would you like to share with us? Like, what would you like to, um, yeah, what would you like to share? Right, thank you. And I'm here today because I'm part of a group of Asian women um, in the Twin Ports that got together and organized a vigil on Wednesday night in solidarity with the victims of the shootings in Atlanta. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what's been happening in recent um, days, weeks, and months since the pandemic and even before. So um, one thing you should know about the AAPI community is that it is incredibly diverse. Um, AAPI stands for Asian American and Pacific Islander. Um, I prefer to use the acronym APIDA, which is Asian Pacific Islander and Desi American, which refers to our siblings from the Indian subcontinent as well. Um, but this doesn't even begin to capture the differences between our cultures. So what does a Cambodian person have in common with a person from the Philippines? Um, what does someone from Indonesia have in common with someone from Guam? Um, someone from South India with someone from South China. So in fact, some of our brown APIDA siblings have a really hard time being associated with folks like me who are ethnically East Asian. Um, so the thing about the APIDA umbrella is this, it formed in the 1960s, so pretty recent, um, as a political alliance to work together for us to gain civil rights for all of these immigrant groups which have long, from Asia um, and, the, and the Pacific Islands, who have long been persecuted for even being in the United States. And this history extends far back. Um, very few people know that the worst lynching in the United States happened in 1871, when 15 to 20 Chinese people were killed by a mob of 500 white people in Los Angeles. And that wasn't even the only lynching documented in history. It's just we were never taught this stuff in school. Um, you might know about the Chinese Exclusion Act, which was this absolutely heartless policy that stretched for over 80 years until 1943. And then Japanese Americans who were U.S. citizens, um, many of them U.S. born, were packed off to concentration camps during the Second World War. Um, and President Roosevelt actually used that term um, before the word internment became the vogue. Um, this was just because of where their parents or their grandparents were from. And we didn't see this sort of mass incarceration of the German people during that time. Why is that? Um, so more recently, since the 1960s, East Asians in particular, people with Chinese, Korean, Japanese ancestry, um, we've had our image rehabilitated by the system, the white powers that be, but this has come at the expense of our Black and Indigenous um, citizens, especially. So we were held up as examples of good people of color who were able to succeed. So why can't those people of color be just as successful? Something must be wrong with them. And so this is what we call the model minority myth. Um, the truth is many groupings within the APIDA umbrella are not your model minority. Um, 
stereotype, especially refugees from Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, who came here as a result of U.S. war policy. Um, they've not had the head start that East Asian and Indian immigrants enjoyed earlier. They have faced many, many more of the structural headwinds that have made it really hard to them for them to achieve the same kind of educational and financial success um, as East Asian immigrants, uh, East Asian Americans, or even recent immigrants like me who came here for higher education and took white collar jobs. So we're also just super diverse when it comes to um, economic and educational achievement. So the model minority myth has really caused friction between us and other BIPOC groups um, for good reason. And also within the APIDA umbrella, like I've just talked about. Um, and then one more thing is that the model minority identity has really consumed the voice of many of us who are successful East Asian Americans. So it feels like we have achieved our successes and privileges because we were able to assimilate into white standards, into white culture. Um, and as long as we do so, we are accepted. But like now when we need to use our voices, we are finding it really hard. Most of us have just really had to grit our teeth and jump in. This is just not a role that we're used to playing. Um, because it turns out maybe we traded our voices in to earn those privileges. So that's just been something I've been really thinking about in the last week. Um, so our community has a lot of work to do um, as well to show up for other BIPOC groups. Um, I don't think we've done a good job of that. Um, and I think it's a pretty urgent task for us to just really reflect on that as well as lots of other things. Yes. Sorry to interrupt with my laughter. Yes, <laughs> I think we can, yeah, showing up as support. All right, so um, I'm really interested in, in this of, um, in the past, well, more than a year, but specifically with a year with the pandemic, um, some of the racist terms that people in power have um, coined, right? Um, and even, yeah, all that. I, I, I would love to hear uh, how that has impacted you personally, but even um, broader, not that you have to speak for all people, but under the APIDA umbrella of what this past year and that experience, if you wouldn't mind sharing, Jen. Sure. Um, so I, I would like to reframe it and, and bring in all of my fellow, um, the stories of my fellow Asian American um, APIDA community, um, because we've had some discussions over the last year, um, ever since the pandemic started. And, you know, our group of women, when we started meeting up two years ago, just for, for potluck, to talk about food, to talk about culture, our families. And this year things just got more serious. Um, so we've gotten together several times to share um, stories of microaggressions. So things like side eyes or stares, um, questions like, where are you from? No, where are you really from? Um, uh, even our children, you know, um, my children in not so much in school, but you know, if they go to a camp um, and they open up their thermos with rice and, um, and a stir fry, they get all sorts of just not nice questions from other kids who just honestly have not been exposed to this stuff. So, um, but that's a microaggression because that sits on their shoulders and it doesn't feel good to be singled out like that. Uh, one member 
shared that they had trouble getting rental housing in Duluth until they said, oh, my husband's a doctor. And then doors magically opened for her. Um, a member shares that they have trouble being taken seriously when, take, when seeking medical care. Um, and then more recently, of course, Asians in town being called names related to the virus. Um, we haven't heard yet of any physical attacks on our community, but this news of increasing violence against especially our Asian elders in places like Chinatowns, for goodness sakes, um, in the last year has been more and more alarming. And so three weeks ago, I was part of a group of Asian women that wrote a column to the DNT, the Duluth News Tribune, about this wave of anti-Asian hate. Um, but since that column in the last three weeks, reported cases just seem to have snowballed. And I think we saw the most number of cases in the news just this in the one week before Tuesday's shootings. Um, and so the, the pressure just ratcheting up and then Tuesday night happened. So from always having to pass this referendum over whether we belong in this country, in this city, um, and we call this the perpetual foreigner idea. Um, now we're wondering how safe are we exactly? And I think that's what spurred us to, you know, Wednesday morning, wake up and say, you know what, we, we need to create this opportunity for us to stand um, in vigil on Wednesday night. So within one day, we, we were able to put it all together and the word got out and we had over 100 people show up for us, which was empowering because I think our Asian community has not ever experienced this feeling of, wow, what happens when we all get together to use our voices? So Wednesday night was extremely powerful and um, has fueled, I think, in us some desire to do more. That's great. That's great. Um, so, and we had a, a brief conversation on this and I, I love it. It's like, how can, like theologically, right? Because we say often the way that we view God, the way we think about God deeply matters because that's how we show up in our, the workplace, it's how we show up in the streets, it's how we show up as our, ourselves. So theologically, um, would you mind sharing how um, we might respond to this? Yeah, sure. Um, and I know that you guys teach deeply on these issues, and that's one of the reasons why I love your church. Um, but how I look at these issues as a Christian is, is through this idea of the image of God. So I love the book, The Very Good Gospel by Lisa Sharon Harper, who is a Black evangelical leader. If you've not read it, I think everybody should read it. Um, if, so if all of us are created in the image of God, which I believe we are, with innate dignity and worthiness, then, then sin is anything that robs the image of God from anyone, including myself. So if I degrade the image of God in my neighbor, so I feel more important or superior to them, then that is sin. And the coming of Christ is God's act to redeem, to bring back this image of God in every person. So, so, I guess to my thinking, if we are following Christ, then shouldn't our job be to affirm the dignity and the image of God in every person? So if you take the story of the Atlanta shootings, and I don't even want to get into how, I mean, I think this is just this horrible example of purity culture and certain kind of theology going just absolutely horribly, tragically wrong. Um, why is it that the shooter can be humanized to say he had a bad day? And the Asian women killed are immediately tarred as massage parlor workers. Um, 
Each of these women killed was a precious bearer of God's image, just trying to go about their lives and have a good day. Um, and if we're following Christ, then shouldn't we be trying not just to humanize each person um, who is experiencing hate, experiencing structural, raci- uh, structural racism, um, but also to stand with them, stand with those who have the least power, the most marginalized, and be the best allies that we can be to, to these people, to every person. Um, for myself, just even standing up for myself on Wednesday night was maybe an act of, you know, affirming my own image of God that maybe I hadn't really consciously been doing. And so the last thing that just really struck me was if we believe in miracles, then can't we imagine that the Holy Spirit could change our hearts and stretch us just a little bit more or a lot um, so that we can maybe think we could take some steps that we couldn't have imagined taking. I know that's been true for me in the past week. Um, Two weeks ago, um, my Asian sisters said, like, Jen, could you take this interview with WDIO? And I was like, oh, no, I, I just want to work behind the scenes. I don't want to be on TV. This is not comfortable for me. And then this week, everything changed. And um, okay, I'm, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yes, you are. You are absolutely doing it now. Uh, I love I love the idea of um like the, the, the like bad theology kills, right? Something we, we say often here. And so, um, and that the image of God is in all people. That's beautiful. And then we can spend our life's work. Like that's really, to me, like we can, we can talk about this forever, but like, to me, that's like part of what salvation is, right? Is that we collectively get to affirm and see the Christ in the others and move towards them. And that is part of like restoring all things, right? That's part of saving. I love it. Um, if, if you wouldn't mind, Jen, um, one question that we, that, um, that we talked about was, what are some obstacles as uh, white people um, that, we, uh, that maybe we're not always aware of that, um, that, you, that you experience? If you mind sharing it. And the reason I like asking these questions, it helps, um, since we're a, we are a white church, right? It helps us be able to, um, when we move out into our, um, our neighborhoods and move along, maybe to um, help us see something wider and bigger that we might be um, missing that could be harmful or a missed opportunity as well. Would you mind? Yeah, so um, I guess I'll tell a story from my own experience in Duluth. Um, When we arrived in 2013, um, I had an infant, I had a three-year-old, and we joined an evangelical church on the east side of town. And we wanted to be part of a vibrant children's ministry. And so we jumped into a church that friends were a part of. And like probably every other church in Duluth, it was um, overwhelmingly white. I think we were the only Asian American identifying family there. But the church also hosted a Friday night service for Mandarin speaking people. So when we first arrived at the church and people met us, they kept trying to invite us to join the Chinese service except that my husband doesn't speak Mandarin. Um, Not all Asian people are alike or have the same needs. Um, And then I realized, although my kids were part of the children's ministry, we weren't really getting to know the parents of their classmates. I mean, we had some other friends that we were already friends with that were part of the church, Um, but not at church did we meet people that we considered good friends. 
And we'd be outside the room waiting for our kids after Sunday school. And we'd barely be talking to each other. And I'm an extrovert. Like I'm the one who makes the small talk. And it just felt like a bit of a, a brick wall um, in terms of building community. And it felt like these people, mostly, of course, white Minnesotans, um, many of whom had, you know, never really gone outside of the state. Um, they just didn't know what to do with us. We didn't fit. So we didn't fit in the, oh, those Asian people, those Chinese people need their Chinese people. Um, and we for sure didn't fit with what they imagined how we could fit into their lives. Um, then, I, you know, I don't think it could, I don't even occur to them that we could be their friends. Um, and incidentally, we found way more belonging outside of church in secular spaces. So it's not like we moved to Duluth and we couldn't make friends. We have a lot of friends, um, but not, it wasn't from church. And so we ultimately left that church for a number of other reasons. But when I look back, um, these are my most vivid memories of the four years that we were part of that church. So, so my question of mostly white churches is why does this dynamic happen, especially in a faith community? Um, do you see us? What can you do to break down those barriers? Is there something in your values and your theology that makes you not want to get too close to people who don't look like you, who don't sound like you? Um, or do you want to get us only get to know us only so that you can achieve some specific church goals, numbers, activities, you know? Um, can you imagine building relationships that are mutual with your non-white neighbors? Um, so yeah, you know, those are, those are things that I would raise for, for reflection and consideration. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I, do you have any like uh, tips, like what, what direction would you point um, peacemakers to move forward with? Do you have maybe some, some things you're willing to share? For sure. And um, so if you, if you go to our Twin Ports Candlelight Vigil event page, um, from this week, there's a post that has a longer list of things that um, our allies could do, but I'll give you a few basic things. So the first thing that I would say is um, tend to your own inner transformation. Um, what is the work that God would have you do? Um, so you could learn about our history. So this, there's this amazing history of Asian Americans called the making of Asian America. That's actually by um, a University of Minnesota professor, Erica Lee, who is nationally known for her expertise in um, Asian American history. It's an amazing book. I highly recommend it. Um, let your learning change your hearts. And then the second thing is get to know us. We are your neighbors, we're your coworkers, we're small business owners, we're your service providers. We probably have more in common with you than you think. We've been in this country since the 16th century. We really aren't that strange or scary. Um, and the third thing is, I think during this time, have our back, look out for our safety, check in on us, ask us how we are. Um, Take a bystander training class. They are available online, just one hour. Really well done. So useful. Um, 
prepare yourself to act if you see someone being harassed. And I can get Chris links for that. There are multiple ones you can sign up for. Um, and then also this coming Wednesday, there is a Minnesota specific virtual event at five o'clock organized by an alliance of a whole lot of Asian groups in Minnesota to talk about anti-Asian hate in Minnesota and what we can do about it. So I really encourage you to join us in that conversation there. Great. We And we will... um. We'll be posting the, the links for all this um, on our Facebook page and on our website and all. So people who are trying to write it down quickly, we'll, we'll get all that information information out there. Um, Lastly, I didn't, I didn't see this question to you, Jen, but is there any other um, people that you follow that would be, like we'd love to share more resources like, like you did, but people we can follow either on um, Instagram or Twitter or th that maybe would be some voices that would be really encouraging, beneficial or people that you find inspiring. Um, why don't I come up with a list and send that to you for you to post as well? Okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like that answer. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jen, Jen, thank you so much for um, sharing your, your thoughts, uh, theology, and your wisdom and your tips with us this morning. I really, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me yes. and on behalf of our community. Thank you, friend. So Neighborhood Church, um, thank you for joining us today. Um, I, yeah, I really do love this community. I really do love this church. I love um, the community that we get to live in. And I, I'm so, um, I'm so happy and proud that we get to have these conversations and we um, need to continue to be better and do better. And we can show up in love and we can show up um, with liberation and justice, um, not just as idea, but something we can actively um, participate in. So, um, if you're feeling um, all, all those feels, that, that's, that's great, that, that's wonderful, but the more that we can move it from a feeling into actually showing up or actually clicking that link by taking it and learning and hearing those stories, let it move from a, a, a feeling to inspiration to actually do something. So um, thank you friends and have a great rest of your weekend. And if you ever, ever, ever want to connect or talk or chat or you have questions, uh, maybe that um, came about from um, Jen's um, talk. We would love, love, love to engage with you. Get all our information, neighborhood church, neighborhoodchurchmn.org. All right. Thanks, friends.